Brother Cade and Sister Lacey. We do. And uh, we appreciate Brother Welder and his dear wife. And Brother Welder, come on up here, brother, and speak to us from your heart. And uh, then we'll dismiss and have our worship service at 11. But appreciate you taking the time out on your Sunday. He's a busy man, travels a lot, but gave us a Sunday. And that's a, that's a big thing. And I appreciate it, brother. I see it. It's green, and it sounds like it too, doesn't it? Well, you can't hear me. Time, the reputation that was shared uh, from the missionaries that went back and forth. But I want to tell you, meeting him has even been better than hearing about him. And I appreciate uh, the testimony of this church. I really do. And to be here today to have the opportunity to give you something from the scripture on the subject of the family uh, is it's a uh, it's a responsibility, it's a privilege, but I would say it's a humbling honor to to be able to, because I know you've been well taught and well instructed from the scripture to be. A confirming witness from the scripture to things that I know you've heard. And hopefully when you hear them today, they will either confirm that what you've been given is what you need. Or you'll hear it out of another voice and say, oh, that sounds good. That seems like something I need to do. And it's simply building upon what foundation has already been laid. So it's really, it's really a privilege. I, I don't proclaim before we take our text this morning to be an authority on the family. I don't hold my family up as an example of the ideal home. Uh, most of what we have learned about the family, we've learned by making mistakes. We've learned a lot about the family through the school of hard knocks. I feel a lot like Paul in Philippians chapter 4 who talked about being content. Uh, Paul, Paul did not learn about contentment through instruction uh, of reading or hearing preaching. He learned by going through it. He learned by going through it. And when he came out on the other side, he said, I have been instructed and now I know. <laughs> and that's, that's where we are. See, I, uh, my wife and I did not grow up in independent Baptist churches. We didn't even grow up in Baptist churches. I grew up Catholic. My wife grew up Presbyterian. When we married, we weren't living for the Lord. She wasn't even saved. Um, when, when our lives changed, we already had children. And by the time we set foot in the first independent Baptist church, we are, and uh, that was Bible college. That's where I, that's where I began what we're doing now in Bible college. And by then we already had four children. So, there were many things that I hoped to learn, but you know something we didn't we didn't know anything about a biblical Christian family. And I, I honestly, Bible college is about learning what we're doing now, preaching and teaching. I didn't learn a lot about the Christian family and the Bible family uh, from Bible college, and so. Uh, but I did know this: just because you're in an independent Baptist church does, and just because you know how to have children, doesn't mean you know how to have a biblical home. <laughs> You're, you're certainly surrounded with good examples. No question. 
but, but you have to learn, and much of what you're going to learn, you, you're going to learn by being taught. And thankfully, your ta- pastor has taught you, and that's why we're having this meeting today, to give you some more information on a biblical family. Now, when I come to a church, or when I'm at home preaching, generally, I like to give you something practical. The Bible says, be you doers of the word and not hearers only. I like to give you some really practical scriptural advice you can take home and do right away. But you know something, as I prayed and as you've prayed about this meeting, uh, you, you're not going to hear what I would say is a lot of pra- something practical you can write down, take that home and begin to do tonight in the practical sense. You're going to hear something that's more spiritual and I believe that's more at the root of families and family problems. And, and because of that, what I hope that what you hear today is going to address some things in the root of your life spiritually. And that when those matters are addressed, those practical things that need to be added will be very easy to do. Because you're going to pick those up along the way if there are any practical changes that need to be made. You know, in the foundation of a good family, at least as concerns what we're going to do today, are three essential ingredients. And those are the things you're going to hear about today. They are the fear of God, the love of God, and the Word of God. And so this morning, we're going in our Sunday school lesson to talk about the fear of God and how the fear of God relates to the family. And then in the morning service, Lord willing, we'll talk about the love of God and how the love of God relates to the family. And then in the evening service, Lord willing, we will preach on the Word of God and how the Word of God relates to the family. And you see, those are root principles. Those are foundational things that we need to need to discuss today. At least I believe that's the direction that the Lord would have us to go. So before we take our text, let's do this now. We'll have a word of prayer. We're going to open our Bibles and we are going to just do a little study on the fear of the Lord and how the fear of God relates to your family. Father, we're very thankful this morning truly to bow before you. And we do ask you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to fill us with your Holy Spirit. The work that needs to be done here today, Father, needs to be done to your honor and to your glory. Your word needs to be magnified. Your son needs to be exalted. These saints need to be edified. And I can't do any of that. It's impossible. However, through the filling of your Holy Spirit, you can use me to speak in a way that will fulfill these purposes in this church and for these folks and for this pastor. And you can fill us with your Holy Spirit so we can receive what you've given us and profit by this. So that's what we ask you to do, and we ask you to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I would like you to turn with me today into Proverbs chapter 1, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7. And of course, leave your Bibles open. This is a Sunday school class. Sunday school is a a time for us to open a book and see what, what it says, and our textbook is the Bible. Proverbs chapter 1 Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 and verse 8. 
You already have the first part of verse 7 memorized. You know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verse 8, my son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake not the law of thy mother, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head and chains about thy neck. Now notice, the subject here is the fear of the Lord, right? Okay. Did you know that the fear of the Lord affects every aspect of your Christian life? It really does. Or if it doesn't, it should. All right, the Bible says, and we'll look at some of these later, The Philippians chapter 2, the Bible says, what, what does it say? Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to do and to will of his good pleasure. That's so, so the fear of God, the fear of the Lord affects your knowledge, as you see in the text. It affects your salvation, what you do after you're saved. The fear of the Lord affects your employment. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, what? Fearing God. Fear of the Lord affects your knowledge. It affects your salvation. It affects your employment. It affects your relationships. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2, he said this. He said, honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. It's central to all of those relationships. The fear of God affects your duty. Affects your duty. In Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Solomon's wrapping up his his book and he says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Fear God affects your direction in life. You know, you can quote with me. The verse I'm going to quote in Proverbs chapter 3, it's probably, when you learn the two verses together uh, in children's Sunday school and learn to memorize those, you probably learned these two verses. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. But do you know the next verse? Because the next verse, see, he says he shall direct thy paths. The next verse says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. So the fear of God even affects your direction. Because if you, if you even lean to your own understanding, you can get off track. So wouldn't you expect, with all of these connections in our Christian life to the fear of God, wouldn't you expect that the fear of God would also be associated with our Christian families? And it is, it is right in your text. You may not have seen it when we read it, but let's read it again. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fools despise wisdom and instruction. Look at verse 8. What are the first two words? My son, hear the instruction of thy whom? Father. And forsake not the law of whom? Is that not a family? (laughs) That's father and mother, child. Father and mother, to have that child, that's husband and wife. 
So there's a connection there, and then there's that child. And notice, I like the paragraph marks that are in your King James Bible. They set off blocks of Scripture that belong together. There's a paragraph mark at verse 7. There's another one at verse 10. But that fear of the Lord is connected with a son hearing the instruction of his father and, and not forsaking the law of his mother. You see that? So there's, so, so that fear of the Lord immediately is, is seen in the context of a family. Now, before we delve into how the fear of the Lord relates to your family, I want to make sure we understand what the fear of the Lord is, or more importantly, what the fear of the Lord is not. When I've talked about the fear of the Lord to myself, <laughs> some of y'all do that, don't you? You sit around sometimes and have a conversation with yourself. I, 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 for, the, for the longest time, I had a hard time understanding what it was, but you know what I thought it was? I thought it was the fear of consequences. And the fear of the Lord is not the fear of the consequences. And let me explain why that is. Let me illustrate it this way. And I'll use something that's a little bit more, a little bit, uh, a little bit more simplistic, something that you understand. Uh, let me illustrate it this way. When you drive your vehicle, posted along the side of the road are speed limits. Okay? Now, you know what those are. Those are not speed guidelines. (laughs) Five or ten over. Those are speed limits. That should be the the top. Now, when you drive, I see some smiles, so I know how you drive already. (laughs) I got this figured out. When you drive and you know that you are using that sign as a speed guideline, not a speed limit, If you happen to see a patrol car off on the side of the road, you're going to tap your brakes and slow down. Why? Consequences. Because you don't want a ticket or a warning. You don't want a fine or defensive driving school to to remedy the fine. You don't want that. So that's the fear of consequences. But you know what that is? That says, I'm going to push this limit. As long as I think I can get away with it, and when I don't think I can get away with it, then I'll back off. Isn't that how children live their lives? And us. Alright, so that's the fear of consequences, but the fear of the Lord is not the fear of consequences. The fear of the Lord is much higher than that. Listen, in that illustration of speed limits, if you fear the authority that made that limit... You will respect and obey that limit regardless of whether you think you can get away with going faster. That limit may be there for your safety. There may be an intersection coming. There may be a road hazard, a a, a narrow bridge or a turn. And that limit is to control your speed so when you get there, you won't hurt yourself. Do you understand that? So somebody that made that decision, and I wouldn't say in every case, but they, they're not only concerned, they're concerned about your safety and the safety of other drivers while you're driving in that area. And when you, when you fear the authority that made that law, you drive the limit. And the nice thing about that is when you see a patrol car off on the side of the road, then you don't have to tap your brakes and you go by and wave and thank him for what he's doing or what she's doing. Do you see the difference? Okay. See, listen, if you only fear the consequences, that's going to lead to problems in your relationship with the Lord. And the reason is that God is merciful. 
And you know that. When Ezra prayed, after he was just astonished at the condition of Israel and their mixed marriages, he said in the middle of his prayer, Our God, our God has punished us less than our iniquities deserve. And you know, when God chastens you, he chastens you out of love. But if you're, if you're trying to dodge consequences with God, He's gentle, He's merciful, and He's good, and you generally get away with a lot more than you should. Based upon what He says to us in, in the Bible. And the trouble is, if you're pushing limits with God, you think you're okay with God. You see, and we've got to be particularly careful about that in this particular generation because we're in the generation now of people who really rely upon and even believe in ultra grace. They're getting, getting away with all kinds of things by the grace of God, and we've, we, we don't look much like we did two generations ago. I mean, isn't it true, Solomon said, he said, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do not good, evil. So the fear of consequences is not even close to the fear of God. Well, we know what it's not then. It's not the fear of consequences. What is it? Well, let's go over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And let's see if we can get a little better handle on this fear of God. Philippians chapter 2. Look with me in verse 12 and 13. I already quoted a piece of this verse when we were introducing this topic, but let's look at it again so we can see it for ourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as we have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with what? Help me. I feel like I have to do this work all by myself up here. I need some help. Okay. That's your own salvation. What? Fear and what? Trembling. That's not just fear of consequences. And that's not just awe or reverential respect or whatever people like to define it. It's trembling. Have you ever trembled in fear over anything? Some at heights, perhaps, or some in a, in a dark area where there seems to be a, 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 an intruder or a perpetrator. Yeah, you've been scared before. Fear and trembling, he says. You know, before Ezra prayed that prayer, that portion of the prayer that I was quoting there about God punishing less than our iniquities deserved, there were a bunch of people that were assembled. Everyone, the Bible says, that trembled at the words of the God of Israel. When was the last time you opened that book and trembled at what you read? Do you understand? Obedience is connected with that fear. Look what he said. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you. Do you realize the creator of the universe and the savior of your soul is inside of you right now? Working out, working in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure, and you work it out. You won't work it out in obedience to God if you don't fear and tremble. You'll do that which is convenient, that which escapes the consequences, but you won't do the thing 
that he mentions to you to do with full obedience. You know, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what are we going to account for? I, I think it would help us to look at this. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look with me at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. You know this judgment seat of Christ is mentioned right here. But notice, notice what's in the context Sometimes what we do is we read the verse and quote the verse and go along with the verse, but we don't consider the context, and sometimes the context has some weighty material in it. Look at this. 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good. Well, we're certainly looking forward to rewards, but what else did he say? Or bad. Now look at the next verse. Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. And he's talking to us. Talking to us, his children. He's talking, these are saved people. Lost people don't show up in the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul said, I know something. I know about the terror of the Lord. And I'm trying to help you to understand the judgment seat of Christ seems like a long way off for you. But you want to bring it up close to you because you're going to face everything you've done, whether it be good or bad. Colossians, he says, when he talks about the bad, he says, he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong and there is no respect of persons. I'm not exempted because I'm a pastor. If I do something bad, I get it just like. Just like anybody else that is the most backslidden Christian there is, and I are going to face a God that has no respect. That person may not have lived for God all of his life, and, and I may have tried to live for God all of my life, and I do something bad, God says, I'm going to take it to you according to my word the same way I take it to him. No respect of persons. No exemptions. That's a sober thought. And it should be a sober thought. The fear of God is something that should, in fact, cause us to tremble. So now you say, how does this then relate to our family? We saw it there in Proverbs chapter 1, that there is a connection. Do you understand the fear of the Lord is beginning of knowledge? And then he says to the son, I want you to listen to my instruction. He says, and I want you to, to obey the law of your mother. Do you see that fear of God is associated with not only hearing the instruction, but receiving it, following the instruction of dad, and obeying the law of the mother. You see that? All right, now. Now. When he said to us in Philippians chapter 2, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, who's he talking to? Who's he talking to? Is he talking to your children? Is he talking to, is he talking to dad only? Is he talking to mom? Is he talking to children? Who's he talking to? Help me. He's talking to? We might even say it this way. He's talking to me. <laughs> right? I remember one time I was talking to a fellow about salvation. And he said, yeah, I know Jesus Christ died for all of us. After we talked a little bit longer, he, he, he had tears in his eyes. He said, you know what I just now realized? I said, what's that? He said, he died for me. 
When he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trivial, he's talking to he's talking to me. He's talking to you. That's what he's talking to. So that, that means he's talking to mom and he's talking to dad. He's talking to the kiddos, isn't he? All right, well, let's see. Let's see if, in fact, we find a place where what I just said is true. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Great passage of scripture on marriage. Ephesians chapter 5. Oh, man, we know this. Wives, you can quote this to your husband when he's getting out of line. Husbands, love your wives. He can quote the verse to you whenever you get out of line. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Well, we know those two parts, don't we? Don't we? Okay, amen. But look, at, look what introduces the whole passage in verse 21. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another. How? Help me. In the fear of God. That whole passage on husbands loving your wives and wives uh, submitting yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Let me tell you. It begins with the fear of God. If the fear of God is not prevalent in verse 21, verse 22, and verse 25 are not going to be as strong. So a husband, there's some husbands here today. There's some dads here today. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he said to you, you need to submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. You, You as a husband, you as a father must fear God and work out your salvation in the fear of God. Do you realize when you married... Or when you're going to marry, if you're not married yet, you are taking on the responsibility for the life, the spiritual life of somebody else in your family. Because the Bible says that the husband is the head of the wife. She is now, listen, when she was growing up, she was trusting God to lead her through her father. And now that she's married, she is trusting God to lead her through her husband. And if you're out of, if you're out of kilter with God, your family's gonna be out of kilter with God. One of you believes that. Two of you believe it. See, a head nod and an amen. I preach, we're from Texas. We all preach the same and the same. I know you're receiving what you're hearing. You're receiving it. And that's a good thing. But husbands, it's not going to do us any good to hear this and leave and not be affected by what we're hearing if we are not working out our salvation with fear and trembling. It's affecting our families. It's affecting our families. And I'm constantly aware of that. I wasn't all aware of that. As I told you, we've learned too much of this by mistakes and hard knocks. But I, I know this is true now. The relationship I have with my wife and the relationship I have with my children changed when I became aware that this needs to be done in the fear of God. All right, wives, you've got to fear God. That's what he said. Over there in First Peter chapter 3, when he talks, when Peter writes about wives being subjection to their own husbands, He writes even about wives that are in subjection to husbands who are not living right with God. They're without the word. 
And he says the way to, to, to win them is, is, is with, with, uh, with, with your conversation. That conversation is your behavior. It's not just what comes out of your mouth. That can be included, but it's, it's the whole thing. And then he says, while they behold, listen, your chaste conversation with, does anybody know the next word? Fear. And that's not being afraid of him. <laughs> that's fearing God. He says later in that passage that not to be afraid with any amazement. God's going to do some things in your husband's life when you're obeying 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, that might cause you some amazement. He said, don't be afraid with any amazement. Fear me. Because he may have to do some things to, 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 to help your husband understand that he's not living right. Now, you know something? We've experienced what I'm just telling you in our lives. I, I was in the banking business. It wasn't in the ministry. And then when I got called to preach, continued in the banking business until it was obvious that I needed to leave the banking business to continue to do what God wanted me to do. I was already doing some preaching and teaching while I was still at the bank and leading people to Jesus Christ and faithfully attending church. But, but, but then there was a day when he said, okay, now I want you out. And I told my wife, we're going off to Bible college. She said, what makes you think that? <laughs> And I said, well, I've been praying, and that's what the Lord is directing us to do. She said, I think you need to go and pray some more. <laughs> she really did. We went off to Bible college, and now she married, a, she married a banker, and I was a president of a bank. So she, she had all of that. We went off to school, and years later, I, I queried because that was a rough go. I was working all day, going to school at night. We had four kids. The, the fourth kid was child was born two months after we got to school. And I said, how did you do that? And she said, well, I'll tell you. It's very simple. She said, first of all, I feared God. I, I was really afraid what God might do to me and to our family if I didn't follow you. But she said the other reason, a little bit more practical, I was 33 years old, seven months pregnant with a baby and three other kids under the age of five, and I wasn't quite sure what man in his right mind would take a woman in that condition, so I figured I might as well go along with you. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's the truth. But, but, but preeminently, it was the fear of God. Now listen, I want you to see a blessing here. Now turn with me to Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. When mom and dad fear God, this thing's going to filter down to your children. And that's what we want. When mom and dad fear God, this thing's going to filter down to your children. And that's, that is what we want. All righty. Proverbs chapter 14. Beautiful verse of scripture, verse 26. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. May I ask you something? Do you think we're living in a society today where children are going to need a place of refuge? Man, I do. I do. And you know what provides that place of refuge? What provides that place of refuge is a household in the fear of the Lord. And you know what? It's not just a little bit. He said in the fear of the Lord. He didn't say is confidence. He said in the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children should have a place of refuge. So if mom and dad are both fearing the Lord, let me show you what you can do. Turn with me to Psalm 34. Let me show you what you can do. 
You're not going to be able to do this unless you both fear God. Successfully, that is. You can try, but you won't, it won't be successful. Your pastor will do this, and Sunday school teacher will do this, but they've got to see this at home as well. Proverbs chapter, I mean, Psalm 34. All right. Now, who wrote this psalm? This is David. Okay. And there's some great things he says here, but I want to take just this one verse, verse 11. Look what he said. Psalm 34, verse 11. Come ye children. So that's what mom and dad can say to their children. Come ye children, hearken unto me. And what are you going to be able to teach them? I will teach you the fear of the Lord. See that? That's something they have to be taught. They don't come by it naturally. You're being taught about it today. But, but when, but when, when you fear God, which David did, and your wife fears God, you can bring your children into the learning about this fear of the Lord because you can teach them. You know what it is and you're living by it. They see the example. If you're not living in the fear of God, it's going to be awfully hard for you. For your Sunday school teacher, your child's Sunday school teacher, or your the youth pastor to connect that with your ch- children because they don't see it. They have to see it. They have to see it. You know, we used to say people would say they would talk about the character of men. Sometimes it, maybe they're going to get in a business situation or considering somebody for an office or whatever. They'd say they used to say, "I've never heard that. I don't hear this anymore. I hadn't heard it in two decades." He is a God fearing man. You don't hear that anymore. And, and the reason they say that is they could see it in all of his deportment, in all of his attitude, in all of his conversation. That's a God-fearing man. Now, I did that on purpose because I noticed there wasn't a clock in here. So I set a little alarm because I know that I'm supposed to stop in three minutes. <laughs> so do you understand why the fear of God is so important to your family? Do you? It's important because it is inseparably connected with obedience and respect for authority. And this is where many families are broken. Right there. On obedience and respect for, for, uh, for authority. Our children, in the instruction, in the commandment of God, children obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor thy father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That it may be well with thee and thou livest long on the earth. I'm telling you, you want your children, you want it to be well with them. You want them to live long on the earth. They're going to have to obey. But your fear of God is inseparably connected with their obedience. And I want to show, I want to show you one last passage in Hebrews chapter 5. So you will see the example in the heavenly family and then we'll end. You understand who Jesus Christ is, right? He's the son of God, correct? Okay, so there's a father and son relationship, is there not? Okay, let's see if, you know, he's looking unto Jesus. That's what we're often told to do. Let's see. Hebrews chapter 5, look with me in verse 7. Speaking of Jesus Christ, as he's in the context. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard... In that he, help me, feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he, help me, obedience by the things which he suffered. Do you see it? 
our obedience to everything God wants us to do is connected to our fear of God. Our husband and wife relationships is connected to our fear of God. Our children in our families, learning and obedience is connected inseparably with the fear of God. And if we don't have it, our families are going to be missing a key ingredient. Keeping that family together and keeping it strong. Pastor, you come.